that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com in the driver's seat along with Doug Maurice, Stephen Means. We are bringing you a new feature for Buckeye Talk this week. Uh, we mentioned it last week. It's called Market Down Mondays. And here's the premise. Those of you who are tech subscribers, 614-315-3350, you already got this text and you've participated in this. We're going to include your votes and we're going to include your viewpoints today and what we talk about. But the premise here is, uh, you know, Doug gets on me sometimes about being noncommittal about various topics. I try to, you know, uh, look at the nuance of things maybe too much. So in order to force myself to maybe commit to things and, and, and maybe trigger some, some fun arguments between us, I came up with Market Down Mondays. And, and basically, we'll present a, a topic, a question, an idea each week, and then we have to take a stand. Like, what's our absolute – what is our – what is our number? What is the player we are picking? What is, uh, is it a yes or no? Like we're going to have to put it down in stone and it'll be there for us to be mocked for down the line, judged by however you want to say it. Doug, I guess just in theory, uh, in general, are you looking forward to being able to make fun of us? What is it that you like about this idea? I, I feel like I mark it down every podcast. I mark that crap down. I make a stand and I put myself out there nine and three loud and proud. And I'm wrong constantly. I'm constant. It's one of the parts of the fabric of Buckeye talk dating back to 2015 is how constantly incorrect I am. So yes, I like getting everybody on the record so that when we go back, it does provide easy, natural fodder for mockery. I think it's good podcasting. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting for the listeners. And, um, and I, I like hearing what other people say. And the more we mark it down, the more we'll fight. And uh, you know, maybe sometimes you know, people might think I, I, I fight too much. But I think some, uh, some good, good back and forth, um, the, 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 the stauncher, the stricter your opinion, the easier it leads to, and not, and not like, and this is the thing, and I, and I hate the word hot takes and, and what that has taken on in sports discussions because hot take to me implies something that you're saying that you don't really believe. I, what, all the stuff I say, I believe. It's just wrong, but it's usually, it's like researched. It's thought out. Um, and so that's what I think this is. It's not hot takes. It's, it's hardcore. We're experts on this stuff. And let's stake out an opinion and see if we disagree. And then if we do, let's go. And, yeah, I would say that this is not about hot takes. This is about, again, it, it, like you're saying, it's well thought out. I, I give you guys a couple days in advance. I give the texters a couple days in advance or at least a day to kind of think about it. And a lot of them, uh, a lot of you who are listening, you give your opinion pretty quickly on that. You, you respond immediately to the text, and I appreciate that too. But, it, you know, this gives us a chance to maybe put some thought into something, whereas opposed sometimes when we're doing a rapid fire or when something just comes up in the course of a podcast, maybe we don't know the questions coming. Maybe sometimes you don't even see the questions that far ahead in advance and you give a quick answer. And we're trying to give an informed answer, but this is maybe a little bit more. You put some research, you put some thought into it. So, Stephen, how much time did you spend on this week's topic? Well, I guess maybe we should introduce this week's topic. I'll go to that first. What is um, the topic, by the way? What's the topic? So the, this the first topic I, is. I can't remember how many. How many? Can't remember. This is the, first time, this is the first time I'm hearing of this. Yeah. Actually. What? Uh, no. Go. Go no, ahead. You guys don't get the text messages. Go ahead. Well researched and thoroughly thought out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, erase everything I just said. Um, so our first our first subject is how many future. Heisman Trophy finalists, finalists being guys who get invited to New York, are will be on Ohio State's fall 2020 roster. So basically anybody who's on the roster now, including the incoming freshmen who weren't in early enrollees, and I suppose any transfer that comes in at this point, though I doubt that's going to happen. So anyone who's going to be on Ohio State's football roster in the fall will be a Heisman finalist anytime between now 
and the end of their careers. So it doesn't include the one Justin Fields already has, but it also means it's it doesn't have to be people who are just Heisman finalists this year. It can be any time in their careers. So I guess, Stephen, as you considered that, um, what angles did you look at that from? Like what, what were kind of the things that went into coming up with an answer for that? One at the top of that list is what's realistic. And because of that, you know, let's just take Chase Young for an instance. That's such a rare occurrence that you have to throw that out of the window when you're having this discussion within your head of who else on this list could, uh, could you know, easily probably be a file, Heisman finalist in their career. Because let's be honest here, three years ago, nobody, when Chase Young was a freshman, nobody would have said, oh, Chase Young is among those people who are going to be a finalist. But maybe Joe Burrow was on that list just because of the position he played at Ohio State if he ever got on the field here. So that's at the top of the list is let's be realistic. I had to keep telling myself that and stop thinking about Chase Young when you think about Heisman stuff. So that, and then also who's just got an opportunity to probably put up those type of numbers? Who's going to get the ball enough? So that, that takes away the defense in total and puts you basically on two positions. It's quarterback or running back. So I want to throw out some numbers before we give our <laughs> answers here. Uh, since 1982, which is kind of considered, I think even by the Heisman Trophy people itself, themselves, kind of the modern era of, of the Heisman Trophy, Ohio State has had seven finalists. Ooh, can, we, can we play name those finalists? Go ahead, Doug. You name those finalists. Okay, these are people who went to New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had a trouble finding those lists. You found a New York list? I found a list of people who were listed as finalists. Okay. I had trouble with that because uh, it's a different number every year. That makes it a little bit harder because, right. like, you can't just go, well, top five. You can't say top four, top six. Right. And the Heisman, the Heisman site itself, I think, only gives you first, second, third. And there are times yeah. when a fourth and fifth and even sixth guy will go. Well, the Heisman site now has, like, the full balloting to the top ten on the official Heisman site. But well, you, it has that too, but it, but it, that doesn't necessarily tell you which of those no, 10 went. it doesn't. Cause I right. actually have mm-hmm. some research that I'm finishing up right now. And it's all based on who finished in the top five, which is like a general guide. Right. Um, but I know is not the same as finalists because there are some recent Ohio state guys who did finish in the top five and were not invited to New York, mm-hmm. including Braxton Miller and JT Barrett. And there um, are years where five or six guys go. And then there's years where young and Liner were the only two who went. So if they really only had two guys go one year. I thought they had to have three. No, they had three. It was Young was the and uh, Reggie Bush because he won it. Yeah, I think you have to have. I think I it's three. The, I, at least. Yeah, maybe I missed. Maybe I saw a list yeah. that was incorrect. But I saw there, there was definitely a list where they only had two guys listed. Okay, since 1982, the seven Buckeyes who have been invited to New York. Never mind. Actually, can I just interject? The reason that it said that was because Bush had to give his Heisman back. So that's yeah. why they, they're the only two that showed up there. Sorry. Go ahead, Doug. Okay, so. Justin Fields and Chase Young last year, two of the seven? Correct. Um, Troy Smith when he won it? Yep. Correct. Um, Eddie George when he won it? Yep. Correct. So that's four. Keith Byers? Correct. That's five. Um, Terry Glenn? Nope. See, now I'm going to start not getting it right. Uh, Archie? No, since 1982. Oh, since 1982. 1982. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Sorry. Um, uh, now I'm going to start sounding silly because I'm going to miss guys that are obvious that I'm not going to get. Um, there's a very Pace, recent one. And then Pace a, didn't get there, did he? Pace was a finalist. Okay. Well. Oh, yeah. Is that the recent one or the non-recent one? That's the non-recent one. And so the other one is so, – oh, and Dwayne, and Dwayne, and Dwayne. Dwayne has How did we forget the dude who was – I don't know how you guys forgot him, but that's seven. Because yeah. you guys were both covering the team when that happened. Yeah. But anyway, that's seven. So seven finalists since 1982. So over 38 years, seven finalists. Um, Interesting. And, and then, as we know, JT and Braxton both in the mix. But, but again, right. the way they decide invited. who gets invited is how close you are, and they were mm. distant fifths. So they Correct, didn't. yeah. It is. It's all based on the percentage of your vote to the. It after the three, then it's all based on the percentage of the vote. So as long as fourth is close to three, four gets to go. If five is close to fourth, if four went, same. So, um, and then so that that tells you just how rare it is. I mean, seven seven in thirty eight years, and three in the last two years. 
So before that, you had four in 36 years. So even for a program as prestigious as Ohio State, it's rare. Uh, so, on top so the, of that. But the question then is, as we get into this, is what is a better guide? His, historic or recent trends? Because Ohio State is Ohio State, but Ohio State is also changing a little bit. That, I think, is an interesting push and mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that is a fair question to ask. On, on top of that, um, and this is going to come into play, and in, in, in a lot of our texters were already on top of this as far as who they're picking, and Stephen already alluded to it. Just over the past three years, eight of the ten finalists were quarterbacks, the exceptions being Bryce Love from Stanford and Chase Young. Um, so it, this is a quarterback award by and large. Running backs will sometimes win it. Running backs will, with a little bit more frequency, be um, be a finalist. But it, it's it's quarterbacks, 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 and that was that factored heavily into the the votes that our readers gave. Um, so I thought the way we'd do this, we'll give our answers, and then I want to reveal. We'll take a break, and then I'll reveal what the readers voted, and what uh, our subscribers, I should say, and what they had to say, and some of the points they made, and we can kind of go farther into that. But um, Stephen, I want to start with you. You, how many finalists? How many future Heisman Trophy finalists? are on Ohio State's roster in 2020, and who are they? There are two. The one is the obvious one. Justin Fields is going to be a finalist this year if we have a football season. And then the other one, I'm wavering on whether or not I think he's going to be the guy who ultimately wins the job. But for the sake of he, these are the two on the roster right now, C.J. Stroud is the other one because to what we just said, Ohio State is 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 changing the way it, you know, it, it uses its quarterbacks, which allows it to not just be – you know, a top 10 finisher in the Heisman voting, but to be a guy who gets to New York. So CJ Stroud, who, you know, as we all saw during that first spring practice, looks like, you know, the 17 year old version of Justin Fields, just physically, just a little dude who looks like he's the little brother. When he takes over the starting role at some point, whether if it's his second year or his third year in the program, he's going to be a Heisman finalist. And I want to say real quick, for our purposes, for the for the reader, a lot of our texters were non-committal as to who was going to win that battle, and we're including that in their vote. And so I played with that a little bit. For our purposes, it's Market Down Monday, and if Market Down Monday is going to have any kind of value, we have to name names. Yeah. So Stephen is saying two. He's saying Justin, Justin Fields, Fields and C.J. Stroud. Um, I'll go ahead and give mine. I I pick the same two. And I'm, but that second one, I'm, I'm really hesitant about because I don't, I don't have any reason necessarily to believe that as of sitting here on March 15th, May 15th, recording this for Monday, the 18th, that CJ Stroud is necessarily ahead of Jack Miller. I know he was at the end of the recruiting rankings. Um, and I think that there is something more dynamic there in his full skill set that maybe plays into more similar to what Justin Fields is and maybe into more what Ryan Day would want in the long run. I don't know. But if I have to pick somebody today, I guess I'm picking him. Uh, but those are the two that I picked. I think there are two on this roster um, going into the fall of 2020. Doug, what was your call? Okay. So I researched starting back to Troy's win in 2006. So the last 14 um, Heisman races – and I, like I said, I couldn't find the list of actual finalists. So I just went by who the top five have been in the last 14 years. And we've had, Nathan, you sketched out some of this. We've had a lot of discussions about this, of, of who the award really is for anymore. And so I tried to eliminate, like, how many of the people that were that finished in the top five of the Heisman voting, like, it doesn't really apply necessarily to Ohio State. I said, so it's 70 people, because again, I didn't really do finalists, I did top five. It's 14 years times five, that's 70. 11 of those 70 70 were weird quarterbacks, because for some reason, Heisman Trophy people like to vote for weird quarterbacks, like Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Colt Brennan from Hawaii or Graham Harrell from Texas Tech. And it's like, you know, they're actually not that good. But I don't know. You're trying to make a point about, I don't know what, something weird that like, well, I know that this guy is actually the 39th best player in college football, but he threw 37 touchdowns in the back. So I'm going to vote for him. It's freaking insane. 
Does the name Colin Klein mean anything to you? Yeah, Kansas State yeah. finished, okay. finished third behind Johnny and Manti Teow. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I had forgotten Colin Klein. I could not I don't before today I don't think I could have told you what college he played at. It's I like, hey, if he made Kansas State relevant, I don't know. Let's throw him a vote. Is he an insurance salesman now? Did he play us? I don't think he even made a, a practice squad. He's a college football coach now. Not, an aspiring and, one. And and not that it's the same thing, not that Heisman Trophy winner has to be the first pick in the draft. But man, like talent does kind of matter, right? Like some of this whack job Heisman stuff with the, the, the fake purists. You know, Joe Burrow wins, he's the number one pick. That makes sense. Kyler Murray wins, he's the number one pick. It's getting a little more logical, actually. You know, that like people, but there's also a difference between winning and like getting thrown enough weird votes to finish fourth and get to New York, right? So again, we're talking about being a finalist, not winning. So it's 11 weird quarterbacks. I had three weird running backs that are the same kind of thing. They're just number accumulators for weird schools. In the past 14 years, there were five receivers and five defensive players. So that doesn't mean that can't happen at Ohio State, but I didn't even consider as much as we think there is great talent at the receiver position at Ohio State. Did you guys really give any serious consideration to saying, yes, I think – Garrett Wilson or Julian Fleming or G Scott will be a Heisman finalist. Or was that just like, Nope, not going to happen at Ohio state. No, 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 they, they they don't, they don't control enough of the variables to get there. At least with like when Chase did it, he controlled everything. Like all he had to do was go get the, go find the guy with the ball and take him to the, to the ground with a wide receiver. You're, you're too, you're way too dependent on somebody else in order to get the type of numbers needed to get there. I don't know if it's even necessarily your dependence on the quarterback. Cause we know they're, we believe they're going to have strong quarterbacks year in and year out at least in this current era that's unfolding before us. I, I think it's more what Doug is talking about is just the opportunity that you have when you're not an every down receiver, the way you are at some of these other um, programs where those guys do end up being finalists. But it, as he just said, it's rare for – it's you're just as likely to be a defensive player and be a Heisman finalist than you as you are a receiver. I have some numbers on that too. We'll get into that later because this comes up again later in our um, our readers – our, our uh, I'm sorry, our texters' um, votes because uh, they do have some confidence in some Ohio State receivers making a big splash. The most likely scenario I think is, is what happened a couple years ago. It's the year that Lamar Jackson won, Deshaun Watson was second, and Baker Mayfield was third. The guy who finished fourth that year was D.D. Westbrook, the receiver from Oklahoma. It's like both the guy throwing it and the guy catching it um, finished that high in the Heisman voting for Oklahoma. So, like, I don't think it would be – I don't think it would be a situation where, like, the, the Ohio State receiver would get there instead of the quarterback, yeah. but maybe it was such a dynamic, <laughs> explosive year that the quarterback and the number one receiver both got there. Um so in the end, that's so the 70 spots, 24 of them were kind of weird, right? Weird quarterbacks, weird running backs that don't fit the Ohio State profile, plus then receivers or defensive uh, defensive players. So the other 46, 32 of them are quarterbacks, 14 are running backs for what I would consider good, talented players for big time programs. So as it's just to emphasize again, it's such a huge lean toward the quarterback. And I've talked about this before. There was a time I've written it. I wrote it about Terrell Pryor that on some level, the, the quarterback at Ohio State is a Heisman candidate by definition because that's what Heisman candidates are. They are quarterbacks at big-time programs. So especially in the, in the Ryan Day era, you know, mm-hmm. Terrell Pryor was, was, a, was a candidate, never made it. Braxton Miller was a candidate, never made it. JT Barrett there never made it but guess what now in the ryan day era man he's two for two now i guess he had jt for a year two he had jt in 17 he didn't get jt there but two ryan day quarterbacks have been heisman trophy finalists so are we at a point where it's like okay you know what if you are ryan day's ohio state quarterback man you've got like a 75 percent chance of getting there of getting to new york in a given year i don't know how high of a number you go with there. So I there are I don't think any of the running backs on the current roster would fit that profile. 
I, I, I don't think it's impossible, but as we've talked about, like the Chase Young level of defensive end, is it, is it impossible that Zach Harrison would reach that level and have a chance to do it? Not impossible, but he's got to be Chase Young to do it. So do I think it's going to happen? No. So I've actually changed my answer, though, in the course of the discussion. <laughs> because my answer, if I had gone first, my answer would have been the same answer that you guys just gave which is two, Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud. And I don't know why I did this. We just talked about all, like the research and the forethought, and I just changed my answer in the middle of the, the podcast. Um, my answer is one, and it's only Justin Fields. And part of the reason for that is, um, Stephen, Kyle McCord keeps getting like a little more respect yeah. like in recruiting ratings every yeah. time somebody re-ranks quarterbacks, right? Yeah, yeah, and to that point, that's why I was, you know, on the fence about, you know, why. that's why I said I don't know if the guy who's going to win that job is on the roster yet. So I think it's – I don't know why I think this. I I've, feel like I've just been maybe moving a little toward this. I think maybe the fact that, like, the time that C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller are missing right now. Um, Kyle McCord's going to be here next spring, right, Stephen? Yes. So, like – in the end, like what, what CJ Stroud and Jack Miller are going to have, like the edge they're going to have on Kyle McCord dissipates every day that we're in a lockdown. Mm -hmm. And every day that they aren't doing college football quarterback things is a day that they aren't moving ahead of Kyle McCord. So my answer in the end is one on the current roster and three in the class of 2021. Because I think Kyle McCord is going to be a Heisman finalist. I, I think Travion Henderson is going to be a Heisman finalist. And I think Jack Sawyer might be a Heisman finalist. And so, like, if we want to puff up the 2021 class any more than they're already getting puffed up, I just think there might be reasons to really believe that McCord, of all the guys, just because CJ was late, right? CJ was late to the party. Miller had injury issues. Kyle McCord, it doesn't seem, has had any issues, and he has only been on an upward trajectory since the moment he committed to Ohio State. And I could see that situation, Ohio State, in that class, having the quarterback who could get there, the running back who could get there, and a defensive end in Jack Sawyer, who's been a top-five national recruit since third grade or whatever, um, who maybe could get to a Chase Young level. So that's a little nuts. But in the end, I'm pulling back my C.J. Stroud-Heisman uh, prediction in the middle of the podcast and just keeping it to Justin. I love how you we went from who's on the roster to turning this into <laughs> adding the 2021 class in it, order to fit your – yeah, in, in order to fit your answer and narrative within this construct. Mark, mark it. No, listen, we I will – No, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with anything you just said. All I'm saying is if I knew we were allowed to do that, I would have said loud cord. You're allowed to do anything. I will not be confined by constructs. I was trying to play by the rules. There well, are no but, rules. But he didn't break the rules. He said that because of the existence of Kyle McCord oh, okay. coming yeah. coming along, that's why he didn't vote for a second quarterback from the 2020 roster. I'm not anticipating we're going to do a separate podcast on how many Heisman <laughs> finalists are in the incoming recruiting class. So I figured I better wedge it in here. So, That's next Monday, actually. The first yeah. nine Mondays are just the, the, the successive recruiting classes. Yep. Right. The 2026 recruiting class, <laughs> we'll how many Heisman finalists are in? 12 first-round picks in the 2026 recruiting class. And, yeah. and I, but the other thing I will say, though, is the, the other way of looking at that is that could still mean that there are two Heisman finalists on this because if, if McCord comes in and wins that job immediately for whatever reason in 2021 – that may mean C.J. Stroud ends up as a Heisman Trophy finalist just for some other program no, or, that's a, or Jack Miller. That's, that's a fascinating wrinkle to this because, I, I mean, like the Joe Burrow thing has come up, but I was doing something the other day on, like, draft picks out of one of the recruiting classes, and, like, I was including, like, Jamel Dean in there, who was the guy, I think, in the 15 class who came in, failed his physical. His high school coach thought he got shoved out on a numbers crunch. Urban got mad at me that I wrote that story, uh, but he went to Auburn, and he was, like, a third-round pick. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're doing a thing about – 
guys at Ohio, who were at Ohio State who then went on to do stuff, he fits in there too. So yeah, the the whole Burrow thing opens up a whole can of worms of are we going to start predicting? Um, you know, who knows? I mean, again, we're not going down this road, but it's like okay, Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor, maybe I think four Heisman right. finalists <laughs> yeah. in the 2021 class because they have two great running backs. One of them will get frustrated he's not getting enough carries, and he'll transfer and go be a Heisman finalist somewhere else. And it, but it's especially a trend sort of among the quarterback class, right? I mean, that, that this is almost what happens now. You'll get two guys, two great guys at one program. One of them loses out. He goes to another great program and, and becomes a Heisman finalist. It's happening with somewhat some regularity here over the last Alabama three, four years. Alabama just did it. They had two in 2018, and they had you know, J- J- uh, Jalen Hurts get there this year, even though he was at Oklahoma. But technically, he was. they were both on the roster at the same time. Yeah, someone's always transferring into Oklahoma and, and then going to New York. So that's what, they do. Um, that's what they do over there, right? So I mean that 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 could be part of this in in the long run. So um, let's take a break here. We're going to come back. We're going to tell you how all of our texters voted collectively and talk about some of their answers because I think it it gives us some insight into how they're looking at the talent that Ohio State's brought in here um, going into 2020. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. We're talking uh, – it's Market Down Mondays, the first inaugural Market Down Monday, uh, talking who will be the Heisman Trophy finalists, the future Heisman Trophy finalists, on the 2020 Ohio State football roster. We already gave our votes, three votes for Justin Fields, two votes for C.J. Stroud, um, one vote from Doug for the future um, as to why he didn't also vote for one of the, the other quarterbacks for 2020. Um Looking at our texters' votes, and I gave them some leeway. I didn't, you know, I asked them to, to name names, but a lot of them picked what I think Stephen and I were both picking, which is Fields and then whoever wins that job. So um, we had one person say zero. So we'll start with this. Um, I, uh, this is from the seven, Charlie in the seven seven three. I say zero. Very rarely do preseason Heisman finalists actually end up in New York. I didn't do any research on that. But uh, I think there, there is a little bit of truth to that, right? That sometimes the, the favorites, um, I think we saw it even last year, um, don't necessarily end up getting to make that trip. Um, Trevor so Lawrence is, didn't make it last year. Right. So Justin is out, but he would be most likely on the current roster. Defensive players have to be otherworldly to make it to New York. CY2 almost didn't make it after suspension, even though he was clearly one of the best players in the country. So all defensive players are out. Offense doesn't feature the running back enough. And more than that, no running back on the roster is capable of a Heisman finalist season. So running back is out, in parentheses, Henderson in 2023. As discussed in the pod, for Belitnikov, too much spreading of receptions to dominate. So, um, and then he kind of mentions in passing Paris Johnson, uh, in allusion to the uh, Orlando Pace being a finalist back in whatever, 96, I think. Um, So I guess to start with that, if Ohio State has zero Heisman Trophy finalists in 2020, is there any chance that they're in the playoffs and, and contending for a national championship if Justin Fields is not a Heisman Trophy finalist? No. The only, I mean, I think the only way – there's only two ways Justin Fields is not a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2020. One is if he gets hurt, and the other is if there's no season. So – and actually, I think that's the idea – see here and, – and I – no offense to Charlie, but, like, I don't like analysis. Like, favorites don't often make it because – when you anal- and people do this kind of thing all the time. People do all this this kind of stuff with like defending champions, right? Like, oh, the defending champion didn't win again. It's like, oh, you mean the thing where it was like, who is gonna win the college football national championship? The one team that won it before, or the other 129, right? In a golf tournament, who's gonna win the Masters this year? The one guy who won it last year, are the other 80 guys in the field? The odds are against you, right? So I mean, like. When you're one of the favorites, it's like, of course the odds are against you because you're up against everybody else in the whole world. So I think it's always, and it always happens in sports, but it's an incorrect way of analyzing stuff. I hate it when you see like, oh, it's so hard for Super Bowl champions to repeat. It's like, you think? Because who would you pick? This one team or the other 31? Of course it's hard. But in terms of individual awards, not only are that, you're up against yourself too. You're especially like it, it, I think it's why guys Heisman guys don't necessarily repeat very much. It's because but, you had this amazing season, and then now not, not only are you going up against the field of everybody else in college football, but you also are judged against the season you had the previous year. If you're not that great, even if you're great, I think that gets held against you in the voting. But it's hard. It's not hard to go back 
Baker Mayfield finished fourth, then he finished third, then he right. won it. Heisman mm-hmm. finalist three times. Deshaun Watson finished third, then he finished second. Heisman finalist twice. Lamar Jackson won it. He finished third the next year. Heisman finalist twice. Tim Tebow won it, finished third, finished fifth. Heisman finalist three times. Colt McCoy in the mix more than once. Actually, it is very super duper common. Johnny Manziel won it, finished fifth the next year. Jameis Winston uh, won it. Actually, Jameis kind of sucked the second year. But like, actually, like I'm not. It's wrong. Big well, he time, didn't know, big time quarterbacks become finalists multiple years all the time. The question is not repeating. Justin like finishing third. And then finishing second or fourth or fifth or third again this year, like would totally fit the historical trend, one thousand percent. And Charlie wasn't actually talking about repeating. He was he said it. He was talking about preseason finalists, which is a little bit more of a or a preseason favorites. He said finalists. I think he meant favorites. So uh, a, a a more of a nebulous concept. But I it's guess. a fake thing. There's no. But but even a pre. Like that, a, that, that like, we don't, it, it's fake. Like, it's, right. I mean, what is a preseason favorite? What we write? Right. What right. some offshore sports books is? is? He may have been influenced by what Trevor Lawrence, what happened with Trevor Lawrence last year. The yeah. other thing I will say, though, in response to the question I asked, um, Trevor Lawrence did not have a Heisman finalist season last year, and Clemson no. was still playing for a national championship. So I, I, I guess I hesitate to say it for sure means just if Justin Fields isn't a Heisman finalist depending on how those votes shake out, because again, that could be kind of an in the wind kind of thing that necessarily means that Ohio state season is compromised. But as, it won't. as we've said on this podcast a thousand times, Clemson plays wake forest every week. Fair. Yeah. Very fair. They were not very good in the first half of the year. And we, we all talked to, Cle- to Trevor Lawrence about this at the Fiesta bowl. He felt like he was sort of unfairly maligned, he had a couple off games, but actually he thought he played pretty well. He definitely got better in the second half of the season. There was just nobody in the ACC to jump up and bite him while Trevor Lawrence was sort of treading water a little bit. But, you know, Justin Fields might get – somebody might jump up and get him. Oregon – if Justin Fields has a bad start to the season, Oregon, Iowa, I think is week five. You know, somebody – Penn State's kind of early in the yeah. year. Somebody might come get him. The most – Popular answer among our texters. 56% of our texters gave the same answer Stephen and I did. They said two. Now, they didn't give – again, we weren't asking them – I kind of asked them to mark it down, but they didn't necessarily mark it down with the same certainty because the most popular answers of of the players who were named the most out of all the votes we got, Justin Fields obviously was the number one answer. 46 people voted for him as either one, two, three. He was one of the guys they named. The next most popular answer was – whoever wins the backup quarterback job in 2020 and is then the presumptive starter for 2021, which obviously Doug points out is not necessarily a thing you can assume. Um, But it kind of speaks to what you were talking about before that we've entered an era now where coming from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to now you're getting every year a, you know, a five-star quarterback an elite like kind of prospect. This, the, the assumption does sort of become that, whoever's next will have a chance to get to New York at, by the end of their career. Fair assumption. I mean, I think people have that assumption about Lincoln Riley right now. It's funny. I mean, that, that Trevor Lawrence has been in, you know, won a national title as a freshman. He didn't, he had to win the job in the middle of that year. Wasn't a Heisman finalist then had kind of a funky year last year. Wasn't Trevor Lawrence hasn't been a Heisman finalist yet, but like because of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence's then profile, I think people kind of think it about the Clemson quarterback. Um, and and now maybe Ohio State's on that level. I mean, Ryan Day and, Oklahoma, and Ohio State have been compared to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma a million times, and I think this is maybe one of the more apt comparisons of if you are a quarterback at Oklahoma or Ohio State, it sure right now seems like you have a really good chance to get into New York. Which is what he said, which is his selling point. Why, as you wrote, Nathan, the whole concept of QBU—that's what he's selling here. You can come here. And even if you don't necessarily ever start here, you can develop yourself into being a Heisman level, being a guy who ends up being a Heisman finalist. Because here's what's happening. Here's what's converging with Oklahoma and Ohio State. And when I reference the weird quarterbacks of the past, I mean, you even think about back to like when Andre Ware won the Heisman at Houston and when David Klingler was a candidate. And there was this time when the run and shoot – 
the air raid was so new and different that these lower level schools with, with lesser talented quarterbacks, and you can go look at the, what those guys did in the NFL. Most of them didn't do much. Um, they put up such gaudy numbers that voters who are dumb didn't know what to do. And the best quarterbacks at the best schools, they didn't play offense that way. So their numbers did not come close to matching the air raid running gum numbers of these other mid-tier teams. But now, now what Ohio State and Oklahoma are doing is they are running highly explosive offenses that put up big numbers at big-time programs. And it's no longer that you know the numbers are so skewed. Dwayne Haskins leads the nation in touchdown passes. Joe Burrow at LSU leads the nation. The numbers are matching the talent, and it's coalescing around. It's it's much easier for those big-time quarterbacks to get votes uh, because people aren't saying to themselves, well, the Washington State guy threw 17 more touchdown passes. Shouldn't I vote for him? Because now the Oklahoma and Ohio State guys are putting up numbers that are just as big while clearly being more talented guys. So as I said, the, the number two, like I said, the number two vote-getter was the yet unknown backup quarterback. And then the third highest vote-getter after that was C.J. Stroud. A lot of the people who were voting for two said Fields and C.J. Stroud. Stephen, why right now are you putting C.J. Stroud ahead in that competition and as, as the more likely guy to, if, I guess, win the job? and then play enough to then be a Heisman finalist before the end of his career. I think the same reason why people, you know, when they on signing day put CJ Stroud ahead of Jack Miller and why he finished ahead of him in the rankings. Stroud is the hotter name right now because he's just been on this rise since last July when he won the one elite 11 camp. And now when with Jack Miller having so many injury battles ever since he's he committed, he's been having this uphill battle He's been making his way down the rankings and Stroud's been making his way up. So I think just coming into the spring session before all this happened, I think Stroud had a slight edge just from a public perception standpoint that he's probably the favorite to win the job, along with the fact that he has a running component to his game that Jack Miller hasn't necessarily shown to have in his game as well. So after those three, those are like the clear cut favorites those three entities fields, the backup quarterback, and then Stroud specifically any guesses as to who the next highest vote getter was Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah, Garrett or Julian Fleming. The next highest vote getter was Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming with four votes. Um, we mentioned before about how tough it is for receiver. It's just as likely for defensive player. The last wide receiver as a finalist was like you said, DD Westbrook in 2016 uh, before that, it was Amari Cooper in 2014, who had like a incredible season. I think he finished third in the voting. And I think before him, there had been a big gap since like maybe Larry Fitzgerald, I, I want to say, who was the runner-up in 03. I don't know. Marquise Lee finished fourth in okay. the Manziel, Teow, Colin Klein year, but I don't know if he got invited or not. I think only three finalists that year. Justin Blackman from Oklahoma State finished fifth. Uh, in 2010, when Cam Newton won, I don't think he got invited. And Michael Tra Crabtree finished fifth in 2008, but that was the year Bradford, McCoy, and Tebow were the only three invites, I think. So those in the past 14 years, those are the five receivers to have finished in the top five. Right. So if there was a finalist between 03 and 14, it was a distant fifth that they were finishing. Um, but you said before, I think there's kind of a catch between two here because Ohio State is kind of positioning itself to be a um, an incubator, a, a place that really attracts the elite receiving talent in the country. They're gonna, you know, they they brought in this 2020 class. They got a couple more big ones coming for 2021. They're still pursuing another the, the top receiver in the country. Um, it, it's something they're gonna keep going after. So the talent's always gonna be here, but the opportunity, again, just the way they use the receivers could prevent any of them from having the kind of season that puts them on the map. Do you, do you think we need to start to reassess just because of that incoming talent, the way the, the potential of an Ohio state receiver to break through and get to New York? I don't, I don't just, it's, it's a bunch of, it's not just one guy and then a bunch of two but and three hold, star guys. But hold on a second. You argued in the last podcast, Steven, you were all about, 
it's a, they're much more likely to have a Boletnikoff Award winner. Boletnikoff winner Cuff. and Heisman Trophy finalists are two totally different levels. No, they're not. Boletnikoff is you are the best receiver in the country. That doesn't mean you're going to be a guy who gets to New York. So you just think so you're thinking like receivers don't make it to New York anymore. Anywhere. No, I don't think so. Okay, so if that's your argument, that's what, yeah. receivers don't go to New York. End of argument. I don't think there's going to be a receiver mark going down. to New York. Yeah, there, mark that down. I don't think there's a receiver going to New York. Okay, then that has to be because you were very much into the idea that there's a, not an unreasonable possibility that an Ohio State receiver could win the award as the best receiver. I do. I think there's a different level out. between being the best at your position versus being the best player in college football. We're not saying the best player in college football. We're saying one of the best five who gets enough votes to sneak into New York. We're I don't think that's the case. Win. We're not yeah, saying I don't win think... the Heisman. We're saying I know. I, I don't think that being the best player position doesn't mean you're going to be one of the five best players in the country. Here's a vote. Here's a vote from the 513. Realistically, right now, I'd say two, Justin and whoever his eventual replacement is. I think Garrett Wilson has the next best chance, but it's so rare to see a receiver in New York. I don't think Master or Sermon will ever have a good enough season to get there, especially when J.K. didn't even go this past season after he put up those monstrous numbers. Somebody did vote for Trey Sermon as one of their – I think it was somebody who voted for three, saying, or maybe it was even the person who voted for four, saying they thought that Trey Sermon would have the kind of season to get there. Is that something that you think is even in the realm of possibility for 2020? No. No. Oh, I mean, J.K. didn't, J.K. didn't get there. Yeah. I think Elliot didn't get there. Right. I mean, like, right. I, 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 no. J.K. didn't get there, but he had the kind of season that, in a lot of years, I think might have gotten him there. I think if there is no Chase Young, maybe that helps J.K. be in position to to get the votes to go there. Maybe some of those votes go to someone like him. I don't know, but it, it some of this is dependent on just the dynamics of the vote in a given year. It, and that's true, but but. Yes, I agree with that. And if you take Chase Young out of the equation, Ohio State was such a dominating team and the offense was so good. I, I do think um, maybe J.K. would have gotten some of those Chase votes. But on the other hand, Ohio State was undefeated and had a 2,000-yard running back who did not get invited. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't think the Oklahoma transfer who is here because he lost his job in Oklahoma is going to make it the next year. Here's another vote from the 513. One quarterback, this is somebody voting for two. One quarterback, whoever wins the starting role. So I guess I think they misunderstood also that you could include Justin Fields, so maybe they would have voted for him too. But whoever wins the starting role, and Zach Harrison, his pursuit speed running down plays last year blew my mind. He's not going to get slower, just bigger and smarter. There will be many highlights of him running down small guys in jet sweeps in addition to 12-plus sacks his junior year. The line depth of the incoming freshman class of junior year will complicate double and triple teams, as will Teron Vincent, who will need to play a senior year because injuries have shared, slowed his growth. That's marking it down. That's marking it down at like five different positions, how you think things are going to play out, and Zach Harrison's going to end up being a Heisman Trophy finalist. Was he someone that either of you considered? No. Steven, uh, you go first. Steven, I want you to answer because you've been a big Zach Harrison um, I have. He, he's the Tyreek Smith guy. You're the Tyreek Smith guy, aren't you? Um, yeah, Steven's everybody. If you're a five star <laughs> and you're cool. Yeah, I like five stars. I like five stars. I don't think so. I think it, it, I, I'm obviously it's early, but nothing about the way he kind of approaches going for sacks it, you know, is is game impacting to another level that it would reach Heisman territory in the conversation what made chase available to that is the fact that not only sacks are already you know momentum plays but he was also getting strip sacks and causing turnovers i don't know if zach harrison is going to be the type of turnover causing machine that chase young was which is i think part of being a heisman is having something extra along with the fact of ohio state's defense was the number one defense in the country and it's that's too many steps that need to be taken for zach harrison to be a finalist Two defensive linemen in the top five in the last 14 years, Chase Young and Ndamukong Sue. So, no. Right, who were just super – I mean, you have to be – you can't just be good. You yeah. can't just even be great. You have to be transcendent usually. Um, that's especially true if you're playing a position like Orlando Pace did. Like, that you can't just be – you have to be arguably the greatest offensive lineman at all time to be a modern Heisman Trophy finalist at a position like that. And then on the defensive line, you have to be someone – who almost just like the very mention of your name 
creates fear. And I think Sue and Chase Young are on the very short list of guys mm -hmm. that that was true about. Um, Doug, you mentioned, because we did get a lot, several other people who mentioned Trevion Henderson as far as the next class and how they think he'll be a Heisman finalist. You mentioned him as well as, as someone who, if you were voting for 2021, you might vote for him. Uh, but you're also quick to point out that J.K. Dobbins not getting there was one of the reasons you doubted someone like Trey Sermon could get there. Do you feel like, do you, are you seeing Henderson as someone who could maybe surpass even the Dobbins level of production? Or, or are you kind of agreeing with what I said that, that may be more just dependent on the vote in a given year and he should still have a good chance? No, yeah, I'm classifying a five-star running back crew, recruit in a very different way than a guy who transferred because he lost his job somewhere else. Um, no, 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 but I'm, I'm talking about in comparison to Dobbins. So you're saying know, that – but you said in comparison to Trey Sermon too. So there's no comparison to Trey Sermon. Right. I think Travion right. Henderson is probably right now more gifted than J.K. Dobbins. And oh, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott got caught like in a weird – in between kind of thing like Ezekiel Elliott was talented enough for sure to get to New York, but 2014 was the year of the running back in the big 10. And I still, I've told the story vividly remember like everybody was talking about four or five different big 10 running backs and urban Meyer got asked about it in the middle of the year. And he was like, well, I kind of like our guy too. And it was like, yeah, well, Ezekiel Elliott's good, but he's no David Cobb from Minnesota. He's no Jeremy Langford from Michigan state urban. What are you talking about? And then, Two months later, Ezekiel Elliott was ripping through defenses, and then he came back in 2015, and they forgot how to play offense. So Ezekiel Elliott, like, probably got screwed out of going to New York by circumstance, but he's the type of running back I think that you have to be at Ohio State to have a chance to get there. And just going by what Travion Henderson highlights look like and what people say about him, he seems like that type of back, like a dynamic – you change the offense with your presence type of back. And I'm a big J.K. Dobbins fan, but I don't think J.K. was quite at that level. I, I definitely think Travion Henderson looks like the kind of guy mm -hmm. who could have the, the natural ability to be the best running back in the country one year. Does the coming makeup of the Ohio State offense, you know, having, you know, these kind of elite – quarterbacks and a passing offense, the kind of receiver talent that they have stacking up there, is it going to make it tougher for an Ohio State running back to make it because they won't be showcased in the way that some of these other great Ohio State running backs might have been showcased in the past? Um, no, I think they'll be showcased pretty similarly if they're deserving of it. We, I mean, J.K. Dobbins ran for 2,000 yards last year. He was showcased pretty well. And if the situation, if Travion Henderson is going to be the, the same way in his by his sophomore and junior season, he's going to get plenty of carries to have the type of st stats that would at, le at least be deserving of a consideration to get to New York. The, the idea that because Ohio state is going to throw it with Ryan day, with the quarterbacks and receivers they appear to have and have coming in that the running back workload is going to be diminished as, as a, just is a misread on, on the situation. The only thing holding back running backs in this offense is are they splitting time and are they playing in the second half or not? Or are, is Ohio State so far ahead they don't get enough carries? In the natural flow of the offense, Ohio State runs a lot of plays. Um, and, and they are not going to throw it 50 times a game. Yeah. The, and even, but even when you look in 2018 and like Dwayne kind of was throwing it 45 times a game a lot of the time, Weber and Dobbins combined still put up combined huge numbers. People just thought, oh, the running back was diminished because they split everything. But they both got ample, ample opportunity. So, which is why I've all, I was shocked by their inability to recruit uh, in the 2020 class at running back because you have to be able to sell that, yeah, dude, if you're a good back, there's no way you're not going to get a shot to get 20 to 25 carries in this offense and put up huge numbers. I agree with that. For the sake of being devil's advocate, I thought I'd throw the subject out there. So right before before we go, I want to get to – we had two votes for four finalists on the 2020 roster, um, both from the 614, which actually does not shock me. I think the people who are – you know, the Columbus-based, full, fully crimson uh, – fully I'm sorry, scarlet not and gray. Not crimson? Good God. <laughs> not crimson. Scarlet and gray. The, the people who are, who are fully bathed in, in Ohio State uh, fandom, I think, are the people who will probably see the most uh, 
potential Heisman Trophy finalists on the roster this fall. Um, one vote for Fields, Stroud, Fleming, and then, and he says in all caps, he or she, major stretch. I feel like there is a world where Trey Sermon has a spectacular season this year in our offense and finds himself in maybe a five-deep finalist class. The same could possibly be said for Olave. Um, and the second person said Fields, Stroud, Zach Harrison, and Paris Johnson. Now, Paris Johnson's gotten a lot of comparisons to Orlando Pace, which I don't know if that's completely fair to him because, again, you may be talking about on the, the very, very short list of the greatest offensive linemen in college history. But I almost wonder if, if someone is coming in and people are thinking in terms of a Heisman Trophy berth for you someday as an offensive lineman, if that almost works against you because of what I said before. Now you're trying to live up to these insane expectations that are put up to you from the beginning, and no matter how great you are, there's going to be a percentage of the voting uh, body that says, well, but you weren't as great as you were supposed to be. Yeah, I think Paris has the closest like, – Trevor Lawrence type of thing going on where the preseason, because of what we think he may do in the future, we're already putting him on this list. So anything, any notch below that, any little hiccup, it's going to take him out of the race automatically, even if it's two or three weeks into a season. And he's not a quarterback. So he's already on an uphill climb. You're you're both 1,000% wrong on that. How many offensive linemen can you name in the country right now? One. Who? Panay. Well, I can name a so, lot of Ohio States. Yeah, but in the outside country, of Ohio State, just Panay so well. Oh, cool. You, so you can name one. You can name the one lineman who has any chance to be a Heisman finalist this year. Panay Sewell. That's the one guy you yeah. can name. And the only reason you can name him is because he was so good. He constantly gets talked about as the kind of offensive lineman who might be a Heisman finalist. It's the reverse of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, yes. Trevor Lawrence, the expectation game plays against you. Peyton Manning didn't win the Heisman against Charles Woodson because the expectation game played against Peyton Manning. When you are an offensive lineman, your only hope is to have expectations because otherwise nobody knows who you are. You know who's not winning? Who's not going to be a Heisman finalist this year? Josh Myers because nobody knows who he is. If Paris Johnson somehow gets out into the world, if he wins the job as a true freshman, and people at Ohio State, people like us, and this is I, I wrote about this, we play a role in this. Media plays a role in this more than anything else. If somehow people for two years write stories that Paris Johnson might be the next Orlando Pace, that is his only chance to get to New York as a junior. And it's not about expectation. It's about these stupid, idiotic voters who barely pay attention kind of heard of you so there is nobody in the world has ever said well you know what i that offensive lineman i really studied his film and i had high hopes for him but boy he didn't quite live up to my expectations so i'm not going to vote for him on my heisman ballot they're like oh i heard of that guy so that's the only chance so paris needs every orlando pace comparison possible for two years and then he'll have a one percent chance to make it I think that's a really strong argument. I, I would also say that I think Paris Johnson has some of the um, intangibles, personality, those sorts of things that yeah. even if you're not putting together some kind of packaged campaign for him, he can kind of make one on his own just by being who he is and, and doing some things in media, getting some exposure that way. So I think that's something that could help him uh, potentially down the line. Um, real quick, uh, Jack Miller was mentioned specifically on two ballots and uh, Garrett Wilson on two ballots. Jackson Smith and Jigba, one vote. I want to bring this up as we talk about the receiver depth at Ohio State because I looked this up. Um, I think for a receiver to make it, we said all there's the way to make it where you make it with your quarterback, but actually the thing that kind of helps you sometimes is if, is if your quarterback is not very good and if the other receivers aren't very good. But, like, for instance, when Amari Cooper made it in 2014 and was finished third in the Heisman voting behind Marcus Mariota and Melvin Gordon, everybody remembers the Ohio State gauntlet of they went through the three uh, Heisman finalists on the way to the national championship. Blake Sims was the Alabama quarterback. He was not very good. Um, so nobody ever thought of Blake Sims as a Heisman finalist. But also, the other receivers at Alabama sucked. Amari Cooper that year had 124 receptions for Alabama. The second leading receiver for Alabama had 40. He had 84 more catches than anybody else on the roster. Blake Sims threw 28 touchdown passes this, that year. Amari Cooper caught 16 of them. 
Next most on the Alabama team was four. He caught 12 more touchdown passes. So that's part of this. As we've said, it's like you have to separate yourself both kind of from your quarterback and from every other roster, every other receiver on the roster. So the fact that, like, I think maybe the most likely path is that they have a young quarterback in 2021, whether it's Stroud, McCord, or Miller. None of them are Heisman candidates in, in year one as a starter. Garrett Wilson, like, carries the offense because Chris Olave's gone. He's a year older than everybody else. Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor are true freshmen. They're good, but they're still young. And, like, Ryan Day just tells whoever the quarterback is, throw it to Garrett Wilson every other snap. And Garrett Wilson is so far and above everybody else on a really young offense, and the quarterback is not at all a candidate. I think that is a very narrow but not impossible path for Garrett Wilson that for one year – he becomes the Amari Cooper of a young Ohio State offense. It's not impossible, but you're also saying that four top 100 receivers, one of which is the number one receiver in the country and the other one's a five-star, have been stagnated in their development in year two. When sure. all of those guys right. are going to be either starters or in the rotation. But, I'm, but we're just saying, it's reinforcing the thing we've said a million times, but if Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming, G. Scott, and Jackson Smith, Majigba are all good, then no one's going to New York. Yeah. No chance. I love that 124 to 40 stat. That's amazing. So here, here's two quick market downs before we go. Yes, uh, yes or no answer. Will Ohio State's two leading receivers combine for 124 receptions next season? Yes. Yes. There's 106 last year, Hill and Olave. And will – How much? It was 2018. I don't know. I don't have that in front of me. Well, in 2018, uh, I think Paris had like 90 and KJ had – This is yeah, a quick so, anymore. I know. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So much for being quick. And then real quick, uh, so 84 was the difference. Will Ohio State's leading receiver have more or less than 84 receptions next year? Less, but uh, by, by not that much, though. He'll be in the vicinity. It's like right on it. Again, Paris with 90 and KJ for 70. Yeah. If, if somebody could, in terms of number of receptions, I'd maybe put it on the slot. I'd maybe put it on Garrett. So if you tell me that, like, next year Garrett Wilson has 85 receptions and Chris Olave has 68, that, maybe Olave has more yards, I think mm-hmm. that sounds possible to me. So I will actually say I'll take the slide over. Yes, their leading receiver has more than 84. Last year, K.J. Hill had 57 as the almost exclusive guy in the slot. Chris Olave had 49. So, But as we've talked about, there could be some some jumps in those numbers this year just because of the way this offense is Coming together. So there we go. That's the first Mark It Down Mondays. I feel like we got to mark down ourselves on several topics. Was it, did, was it the correct amount of fighting that you wanted, Nathan? I think it's, it's, it's on the cusp. I don't know that there was – we had too much agreement on the answers this week. We were going to all give the same answer until you changed yours. So that was a flaw maybe in the design. We got this one out of the way. That, this was a good like foundational Mark It Down Monday. And then I'll try to think up something – much more controversial next week, something involving like pizza crust or, um, or Wendy's something that something where we really, something where the stakes are high and we really have to like put our reputation on the line. Oh, love it. Something where I have to irrationally believe in myself again. Exactly. That that is not, (laughs) let us not mistake. This is not, that is, this is not a repeat of the Giordano's (laughs) eating. Doug, do you think you could eat a whole cow? Yeah, I could eat a whole cow. I like hamburgers. Let's, that's not what this is. Well, you might say you could eat a whole cow, but you wouldn't sit down at a table with a and knife and fork and a cow yeah. on the table and, and, and start it. One of the questions that I did not pick yet uh, for our Quick Hit podcast was someone – I don't. they said they saw someone else try to reference this. Someone said, how long would it take you to eat a wooden door? <laughs> I saw that. I was hoping that that would be on the 20 questions. And someone said, like, I think someone said I thought it would take three years. And I, I can't even wrap my head about, like, do you do you grind it up into sawdust and, like, mix it with the milkshake? Yeah. I, I think, think that was one sawdust. of the options. Yeah, just put it with your oatmeal every morning or whatever. But how long do you, until your body starts letting you know that, hey, 
the sawdust is killing you. I would not. Fiber. I cannot imagine the constipation of like, doctor, I'm really having some trouble. And it's like, well, what's you been doing differently with your diet? It's like, well, I'm eating a wooden door and now I'm I can't go sig- to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm eating a significantly increased amount of fiber. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like, what's the most insane thing you can say you're doing to a doctor that would make them go, I just can't help you. I, I can't help yeah. you with that. I'm eating a door. Okay. That has to be on the short list. But that'll do it for this week, the inaugural edition of Market Down Mondays. Come back tomorrow for another of our daily pods. Come back Wednesday for the big pod. Uh, try the text, 614-315-3350. That's how you get to participate in the votes. That's how you get our breaking news analysis, um, recruiting, everything that's going on with the program right now. And with that, that was Buckeye Talk.